welcome to another episode of Likely True. Today I wanted to talk about um, uh, a subject that I've <laughs> noodled on for a while. Um, it comes back in various ways over the years in terms of the struggle and trade-off um, and I think is particularly uh, poignant at this time. And I think it's a struggle both for individuals, uh, teams, organizations, movements, <laughs> and uh, a culture, a society here, particularly in, in the US. So what is this thing? Convenience. Now, what's so bad about convenience? You know, convenience can be time-saving, right? You know, you pick up the toilet paper, same place you get in your groceries, wonderful, time-saving. It can also be access, you know, um, Public-ish restrooms, um, curb cuts, escalators, elevators, um, you know, a lot of these uh, sort of ADA accessibility type things, whether it's voice interfaces, you know, text-to-speech, which have existed as screen readers for, you know, years before they became the new feature on your um, smartphone. Um, these are great. Uh, they provide... Um, you know, access and time saving, right? So <laughs> that's great. Um, what's the problem then? The problem with uh, convenience, as I see it, is not that there is convenience, but that convenience becomes an orienting force. Convenience becomes shortcuts, becomes shorthand, becomes short-term thinking, um, becomes the default. When we have so much convenience, when we have the privilege of that convenience, we build expectations around it. We, we habitualize to it. And that can go from something that truly made our lives easier to this sort of instant gratification orientation. And I, I've long struggled with, with this, um, both because there are ripple effects, right, um, from a time management perspective, from an environmental impact perspective, from an equity perspective. Um, but I want to orient a little bit for, for right now to think about it from that, that, that personal mindset, and that ripples through um, individuals, teams, organizations, as I said. So the short-term thinking of convenience allows us to say, oh yeah, next time I'm out, right? Next, the next order, you know, that one-click shopping, um, the later, but oh, now's a good time approach. Um, and short-term thinking, it's, it's detrimental in that we, we tend to live longer than we think we will in terms of um, our day-to-day -day experience. Um, some people really like thinking 10 years out, where do you see yourself? Um, we may work for um, organizations and teams that 
are big on their annual reviews and your annual goals and planning and and this may work for you uh, really well or you may laugh at the prospect of planning for a year or thinking about 10 years but um, as this pandemic environment of 2020 has shown us um, convenience can go away and it can feel really abrupt when it does so um, it can make you cranky, frankly, um, in part because it is showing you that you were relying on something that um, allowed you to not have, you know, alternative sort of pathways. You didn't have other plans. And uh, for some things, that's fine. You know, you're not able to have a certain food stuff you wanted. For other things, it might be a little more difficult, like, you know, running out of toilet paper. Um, but this balance of convenience and planning um, that there's this intentionality that I think is is really being um, heightened in this remote first this um, altered sort of pandemic life and intentionality can be its own reward and short-term thinking can be an intentional choice um, There are lots of decisions you make on a daily basis that can be made in a very short-term lens. That's fine. Um, And you don't need to, you know, (laughs) meditate on every decision you make every day. Um, But if we spend too much time practicing short-term thinking, then we find ourselves feeling like long-term thinking is not possible, not reasonable, not worthwhile. But that is a mechanism reinforced by the short-term thinking. So there was research that shows that um, particularly looking at uh, individuals who are suffering um, in poverty, right? They are uh, systemically ensconced in poverty. And beyond just what that is and shouldn't be... Uh, if we look at the what the brain does in that state, it is in a survival mode. So short-term thinking is where it finds itself um, best spending its energy. It is incentivized into a survival mode. We just need to get to X. Then we just need to get to Y. And after we get to those, it's the next X, the next Y. Those are as far out as the brain really sees value. And it's a conversation between, you know, yourself and your uh, brain. And so the mind and the brain are reinforcing each other. This is the dynamic. And for those people living in in extreme, systemically constructed uh, um, stress, that is what we're seeing the brain does, right? And and the brain will go into those states of survival mode um, in other times as well um, as a re- uh, response to stress. So if you are in that short-term thinking, so when things come up that change and you're able to quickly respond, that may work well. But if each time you have nothing but 
a fresh decision to make, that can also be exhausting, right? Because each decision is its own individual thought, right? It is a short-term response to the current situation as opposed to a, um, a response to an ongoing, uh, a bigger picture motivation, right? <clears throat> so when we are encouraging ourselves and incentivizing and embracing a, a culture that Im- incentivizes short-term thinking, we're making it harder to break that cycle for ourselves, right? It's that mind-brain conversation. And for those folks who are able to think longer term, it's not that they have some magic ability. It's that they have practiced that ability, that they have valued that practice, that they see um, it as a practice, something that can build up um, a capability and uh, an approach and uh, honestly, it's like a muscle. It's, it builds a resilience um, in your thought process so that each time you do have to make some um, decision in a changed context, you have a more solid um, or cohesive um, foundation from which you're making that decision. So the decision feels smaller. It's not uh, reactive, it's responsive. So that is the value of the long-term thinking. And, um, and again, it is a counter to the convenience culture. And if we think about like, how do we, how do we practice long-term thinking? Long-term thinking, I, I'm definitely one of those people for many years <laughs> Um, someone was like, oh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I kind of hated the question. I didn't see the point because, um, there's so much possibility. There's so much potential in 10 years. Um, and although that is still something I struggle with, I see the value of, uh, finding the things for me that I'd want to still have cohesive in myself 10 years from now. I don't make a 10-year plan, but I'm more willing to think of things in that framework um, and set aside some of those um, reactions that I have initially about what might seem, at a very superficial level, futile. And I think uh, there's a couple of things that have informed this. Obviously, you can read a lot about um, mindfulness. I'm sure you've heard uh, other um, uh, discussion about the value of mindfulness, whether that's meditation or just intentionality, uh, deep work. Um, focus is essentially what it comes down to. And how do you support that? How do you advance it? How do you maintain it? And long-term thinking is a different type of focus, right? We zoom in and out all the time. um, And we need to be able to have these touchstones that allow us to see things at different levels, at different perspectives. 
So one of the practices that I've uh, picked up from you know, the reading and listening of all this, uh, these types of materials, is every three months I have a date on my calendar. Um, I have about an hour and a half that I box out and I use that time to look back over whatever kind of documentation, whether it's journaling or calendar or um, notes and things like this in you know digital or long form, whatever, over the past three months. I've never been really good at a daily habit of writing. I'm working on it. But this quarterly reflection has helped me uh, better know myself not necessarily just from, you know, what was I writing about um, and what was I documenting and what did I do, but from a perspective of, oh, I can remember what that felt like and how do I feel about that now? And that familiarity with, oh, something that felt so intense at some point a few months later feels quite different. I I can learn to... Um, give myself a little breathing room around intense feelings um, in the moment, uh, document them in whatever way makes sense at the time, just to acknowledge them. And then I can look back at them and see, are they still a big thing? And sometimes they are, and I have some additional thoughts I want to add. Sometimes they aren't, and it's like, well, that's, that's nice. That's relief. And I think this also translates then to your team, to your organization, um, you know, your your social movement, whatever um, of this collaborative environment, it is composed of individuals, right? And so if you have short-term thinking um, or you disconnect long-term thinking from a reflection practice, um, you, you don't get the payoff, right? And little things can allow for that payoff, that reflection, um, whether that's monthly, uh, sitting down and as a team talking about, hey, what were we able to move and advance? Um, what does that make us think will be possible in the next two months, quarterly, a year, right? And if you're uh, organization does something like a strategic planning process, that might be uh, three to five years, but what is the process in between that being developed and the ultimate, uh, you know, end date on it to check in and to balance it? Because if you put in all the effort of talking with all of the stakeholders to, to develop that in 2019 and a pandemic hits and you're like, well, we got to throw that out the window, then it probably wasn't a very good strategic plan. Um, in part because a strategic plan shouldn't be in the best of possible worlds. Here's where we're going. It should be, here's what we would be doing regardless. And these are the things that we um, will prioritize when we have good times and when we have hard times and should serve as this touchstone that you can revisit and say, well, all this has happened. What, what do we prioritize? What do we deprioritize? Um, essentially it comes down to the sort of values and recognizing them. And that is the reflection practice 
again, as an individual or as an organization, you need to build in that time to check in and balance uh, the sort of biases that we have for over um, estimating what's possible in certain time frames, underestimating what's possible in others, um, and checking what you're doing because it's convenient versus what you're doing because it serves a bigger purpose. It serves what you're trying to do, uh, the contribution you're trying to make in the world, right? So check um, w with yourself and with others about how they're thinking uh, long-term. If they've noticed uh, their sort of frustration or exhaustion with um, these sort of shorter things. Because again, if you hear people talking about feeling like it's constantly putting out fires and everything's very reactive, um, there is a way to move towards being more responsive. And being more responsive takes responsibility, right? There is intentionality in moving, uh, whether it's towards convenience, when it will serve you um, in that bigger picture, or moving towards something that can have more time because time isn't the issue. And I think our convenience culture presumes that time is everything. And I think, um, and I've experienced, and I've read, and I've heard, um, you know, time can feel like so many things, right? 2020 has felt like uh, seven years since March, uh, you know, and, and yet you'll say it's still Tuesday, <laughs> or weren't we just uh, last week in April, right? Time is... Uh, is something you perceive. It is a phenomenon of perception. And so convenience and this culture of convenience uh, kind of crutches on this concept of time and um, the urgency of things that isn't necessarily the state of things. So that is... <laughs> Uh, where I am, what I'm thinking about. Um, it can be hard, again, to, to move into long-term thinking, um, but catch, catch yourself, um, maybe write down of things that you do that you find really convenient and why they're valuable to you. Um, there may be conveniences that serve you uh, during certain periods of time, and then they don't any longer, but they became habits, like checking on that. Um, so you may have used, um, grocery delivery, um, whether you are, you know, a single parent looking for more time to spend with your, your, your kids or, um, you know, uh, mobility issues, or obviously in the pandemic, there were additional health, uh, concerns perhaps. Um, and are those still, um, the case? Uh, do they still make sense? Uh, you're usually paying for convenience in some way, and it's not always dollars. So document that, think about what um, that convenience is and when it is just allowing you a sense of instant gratification. Um, 
Whereas moving to something with a little more intentionality um, can have, um, I would say, similar or even more uh, payoff emotionally um, from a sense of uh, accomplishment, you know, whether that's really putting in the effort and, and research uh, delayed gratification, as it were, um, exploring uh, a product you're considering um, for yourself, your team, um, your household, what have you. When you finally make that choice, it feels a little more of an accomplishment. It is an achievement of the effort, of the value that you put into it, that you will be, you know, ultimately rewarded for um, finding the thing that uh, serves your needs. Um, because it wasn't the quick fix, it was the right fix for where you're trying to go. That being all out there, I'm, I'm curious how people are experiencing um, their uh, trade-offs in convenience or being inconvenienced. Um, I think people will get really frustrated when they are inconvenienced. Um, and sometimes they'll be able to recognize and, and laugh at themselves and, um, you know, recognize that they are a little bratty, a little spoiled by the things that they've, they've had before. Um, sometimes it is simply because they've become so used to something and it just makes them cranky to, to have to think about that thing again. Um, and you know, you might be thinking about these things from an environmental perspective, right? Do you, do you want to do, um, uh, delivery of uh, certain things when you have all this cardboard and pla plastic packaging to deal with, um, you know, versus, you know, taking containers to a store that allows you to do, um, you know, bring your own container and, and filling that way. There's conveniences at different parts of your timeline there. Um, so again, think about what convenience means to you. Um, see where short-term thinking is just giving you more thinking to do <laughs> versus long-term thinking, which may serve you to make a lot of other uh, choices for you. Um, whether you consider that sort of the essentialism um, approach or um, it aligns better with your uh, just wish to um, be more thoughtful uh, or, you know, longer term thinking, uh, again, from that environmental per perspective or from uh, a cultural and societal perspective. And this can scale up, scale down. You can think about, you know, buildings and, you know, how we incentivize thinking short term for the built environment. Um, some countries, um, your, your building plan, you know, you're submitting for permits, uh, you have to sort of think about 50 years out. Um, I don't <laughs> imagine that that's really a practice here. Um, but if you think about, um, you know, an earthquake areas or fire or tornado areas, obviously there are other considerations that go into creating a building that must endure certain um, unpredictable threats. And um, time is not an unpredictable threat time happens. But um, there is always unpredictable, 
um, changes in how we do things and how we use things. And um, there's no universal tool, um, but there are ways that we can approach things with a lens towards flexibility. Um, or if we know um, we've done our analysis and we have really clarified those key things, we can eliminate things from um, having to worry about them, <laughs> right? We say that is not our lane, right? We, we're not going to pursue anything in that realm because we think there are other folks who do that better. Or um, on a personal note, that could be, you know, uh, going into the sort of uniform approach to dressing because you just don't want to have to think about that. Um, whatever it may be, think about it at different scales. Just try and pay attention to um, when you're doing something um, for convenience, when you're doing something um, for other motivations, what are those reasons? Uh, will you walk a little further to go to a certain um, park or a certain cafe um, to even if you make other decisions that seem to be driven by time, right? Like just assess. And I don't expect anyone to be all one thing all the time. That's not very human. That's what machines do. But figure out and look at and document those things that you, you do regularly um, and kind of assess. You know, why do I do it this way? Is there a better way that I would prefer to do it? And um, just that, for me at least, has been a very helpful tool in surfacing those things um, that I value, that I can use, again, as touchstones for that longer-term thinking, you know, five, ten years out. Who knows? But at the same time, I know there are things about myself that I want to persist. There are things about um, the people in my life that I want to support. And there are choices that I can make now that will serve me greatly in the long term, especially the little ones that add up over time. Um, if you need uh, an exercise that can help you in thinking about small uh, payoffs over time. Um, it's really the little things, uh, whether it's one push up a day <laughs> and seeing what, how you're able to build that up. Um, there are interesting, uh, diagrams and, uh, videos and, uh, podcast episodes that talked about, um, exponential growth, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, we were talking about flatten the curve. So, you know, the stacking of one penny and the next to it is two pennies, the next to that's four pennies. Um, or investments over time, um, financial research. Uh, it's, those are often looking at it from a quantitative perspective and how small returns pay off, but the same thing works with your mind. And uh, so little things pay off um, in that longer term. And if you keep doing um, short-term thinking, the long-term impact will be more short-term thinking. If that sounds fine to you, go for it. Best of luck. Um, if you'd rather 
not spend all your time reacting to things. Um, there are systems, tools, practices you can do as an individual um, that you can use as an organization. Um, I help people with those types of things. Um, but you don't necessarily need uh, me to come in as a consultant to help you um, activate that for your individual or your uh, organization, your, um, your team, your community. Just start paying attention to what is a convenience and why you value it. Thank you for joining for this week's Likely True. Wanted to thank you for listening to Likely True and let you know that I've appreciated the feedback I've received so far from listeners. You can do so at Likely True Pod on Twitter, or you can email me, Kara at KMLindstrom.com. Uh, that's Kara, K-A-R-A, at KMLindstrom.com. Again, I appreciate hearing from folks and I welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. Thank you again for joining us for Likely True.